0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. What brings you to the place in your life where you say, why? Why, Lord? Why is this happening? Why, God? Why? Why? Maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's a broken relationship, maybe it's a financial burden that you feel like you're never gonna get under, get out of, what is your why? This I believe is the very reason for our storm. Right here is where God can make his lasting imprint on you and on me. You will always remember the toughest times. 2 Corinthians, if you could turn there, chapter 1, verses 9 to 10, but we're going to read verse 8. That was the scripture that we used last week. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, but just one verse before, and we're going to be at verse 8. Starting with verse 8, it says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of afflictions, we experienced in Asia. Paul is just saying, Look, you need to know. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. And I explained that Paul was this amazing spiritual giant that God used in amazing, amazing ways. Paul, too, resurrected. Paul, too, laid his hands on those that were sick. Paul, too, cast out demons. Paul, too, seen miracles right in front of him, but he was at a point of death. Verse 9 says, Instead, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. He was right there just with the disciples in the boat saying, you took us to this boat and we're about to die now. But that was to make us, catch this, rely not on ourselves, but on God. Who raises the dead. Talking about his power, he can do anything. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, verse 10, and he will deliver us. In other words, he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. The definition of surrender is to give oneself up into the power of another. To give oneself up into the power of another. Hold on to that. See, the purpose of the storm is to test and see what works and what does not work. James talks about this in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He starts off by saying, count it all joy. I mean, to me, that is like the thing I don't want to hear when right after you're going to say, my brothers, when you met with various trials, met with trials of various kinds. I don't want to hear, count it all, hey, be happy, you know, it's great. Joy of the Lord, brother. But James puts it out there. Count it all joy. And there's a reason why he does that. Because he's saying here, for now, uh, for know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So there's some testing going on. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. So for an example, let's say you were going to create a frame of a truck. And this frame of the truck, and some of you that know automotive a little bit, it's going to have pretty much I-beams going this way, this way and cross beams going this way. And there's a thickness of the, of the frame in order for it to carry a, a, an amount of a load, a certain amount of load, OK? So imagine we're going to make this frame, and it's going to be rated to carry so much load. How do we know it's going to carry that load? We've got to test it, right? We've got to test that, load, test that frame over and over again. Maybe when we first put it together and the size of the wilds, the size of the joints, the, the curves are not right and it starts to fail under the load that we want it to carry. That's what James is saying here. He says, count it all joy when you're met with various testings, various trials. Why? So you'll be able to know what works and doesn't work. Because it produces steadfastness. What's that steadfast? You're going to continue to keep trying, right? Or, or keep going through this. It's going to keep getting tested. And we'll figure out what works and what doesn't work. And how do we know he says that? In verse 4 it says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. So when this frame is put together and it carries a load in it and it does what it's, what its purpose is, it will no longer need anything else added to that frame. It's complete. It's lacking nothing. It's perfect. That's what perfect is. So let's say, see, when trials hits, there's ways that don't work. For example, performance. We can try to do everything right When a trial hits, some of us start start to perform right away. We start cleaning the house, we start doing the bills, we start fixing things, we start figuring things out. Like, I don't care what kind of trial, we just start performing, right? We try harder. And don't get me wrong, there is a place for performance, but it needs to come out of surrender. But But the problem with performance is that it's still confidence and faith in yourself. It's not a giving up of oneself's power to another, it's still power in yourself. It's not surrendering to God. It's faith in self, not faith in God. Another one is pride. We can go the opposite direction. Where we're not obeying, we're not, we're not trying, we're not doing anything, but we're, uh, I mean, we're rebelling the opposite direction. It's our own way of dealing with the storms. We're still in charge. We're still trying to fix it our own way, even in our rebellion. This is still confidence in self, not faith in God and not surrender to God. Another one is passivism. We could be in the middle, not obeying, not trying to perform, not rebelling, but just numb. Just passive, because we tried obeying and obeying didn't work. We tried rebelling and it just got worse. So I'm just going to step back and disconnect. See, this is still confidence and faith in ourself. Because even if we don't surrender, we're still making a choice. We're making a choice to not surrender and place our disconnect, to place our passiveness, our faith in our passiveness of saying, whatever happens, happens. That's not faith in God. That's not surrender to God. See, when something is perfect, it's lacking nothing. It's complete. And that's why James says, count it joy as you keep going through these testings, because it's going to show you what works and what does not work. See, this is the result of surrender. You will lack nothing if you surrender. The disciples realized they had to give themselves up to the power of Jesus, and they had to surrender Anything other than surrender is to not give up oneself. Anything else is confidence in self or faith in self and not faith in God. Perfect. The word "perfect" here is right standing with God. That's really what it means. There's no greater perfection than to be able to know that you are 100 percent right with God. Now I know sometimes people say you need to get right with God brother. That's still self effort. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't obey or or do what God wants you to do but you can't get any more right with God than Jesus dying on the cross and giving you his righteousness. That's been done whenever you accepted Jesus by faith that you receive that righteousness. That's what they're saying here. You are perfect. You are made right with God, complete. That means you lack nothing because why? You have Jesus. And when you have Jesus, you have everything that you ever need. So if you're a believer and you've placed your faith in Christ, God gives you his righteousness. He makes you perfect. He makes you complete. And he makes you lacking nothing. That doesn't mean you don't feel sometimes incomplete. That doesn't mean you don't feel that you're, not, that you're lacking. It doesn't mean you don't go through hurts. No, I'm saying in that, knowing by God's righteousness, our identity is that we're right with God, we're perfect. If that's you, and you were to die right here, right now, in this moment, right here, you were to die right here, you would be perfect, you would be righteous, and you would be with Jesus, and you would be lacking nothing. Do you see that? Do you see, that the, do you see the connection? Wherever you're at in the storm, wherever you're at in life, that you are right with God, that you are perfect and lacking nothing, and if the worst came to worst, that you were to die, nothing would change and you would be perfect, righteous, before the presence of God, lacking nothing. And at the end of the day, the whole picture of the gospel, of the Bible, the message is that, is that we're right with God. These trials, these troubles, they don't last all we always, like the Kirk Franklin song says. They don't. That these are temporal, and they're temporal to test and let us know what we need to put our faith in, which is in the righteousness of God. That we need to put our hope and and our confidence and everything we have and keep focused that there is something much bigger and grander going on that God is working behind the scenes to create this faith and trust and complete transferring of our power into the power of God, which is surrender. But if you're not a believer, if you've not placed your faith in Jesus and you were to die right now you are not right with Jesus you are not complete you're lacking everything and that's exactly what it would be if you die right now see they had been hit with many waves and it seems like in this life when a storm comes it's always multiple waves over and over again One of the purposes of the storm is for us to come to a point where we're thinking that we're going to die. Now, faith in this situation is realizing that there is no tangible reason to believe it's going to be okay. Other than we're with Jesus. And he is the tangible reason. Faith is believing in things that we cannot see as if though they were and are. See, there is a law on this earth that we're bound to because we're in this human body where we feel, right? We feel. We can feel heat. We can feel coldness. We can feel sadness. We can feel the waves coming in. We can feel the storm. We can feel the fear that comes with that. But there is another law that works, and that is God's law, that He's above and beyond this world, this point that we're in, that never, ever can be conquered, never be destroyed. That's God's law. He is the one that put all this together and holds all of it together by the power of His Word. No one holds it together like our God. You will never forget The reason why we come to these places is so that you will never forget in those times where you were at your wit's end and you experienced God rebuking the storm in your life. You know that if Jesus stayed asleep, it was not going to go well for you. And you can think back to those times of those storms where Jesus got up and he rebuked him for you in your life. It makes a lasting imprint. Now, when it comes to talking about surrender, it's not to some mean, horrible authority. We're not talking about that. We're talking about someone that will mistreat you, but we're talking about surrendering to the love of God. To a God that loves us unconditionally, unending, with no strings attached kind of love. God does not get any more loving or more better or more stronger or more powerful or more wise or more good or more bigger because you love him. He doesn't get any less loving and less kind, less powerful, less righteous by you not loving him. God does not need us, but he wants us and chose us. So if there's someone that I want to depend on and surrender my life to, it would be someone that has no strings attached. In other words, it doesn't matter what you have done or ever do, God will still love you because it will not change his love for you whatsoever. He gets everything that you've done wrong, all the mistakes, all the pains, all the hurts that you've caused for your life and for others, and he gives them to his son. If there was a God that we were going to make up or a love that we were going to make up, there's no way we'd make that one up. And to top it off, we would make up one where somehow we would do some good and we'd receive some kind of reward. But it's opposite in the kingdom of God. It's upside down where we do all the wrong and we receive the ultimate reward. And he does all the right and receives the ultimate punishment. That's the love we're talking about, we're surrendering to. Church, I'm talking about a love that is unending. I'm talking about a love that you can't even comprehend as we think and meditate on it. I'm talking about a love that can get you through a storm. As Jesus opened his eyes when he woke They looked at his eyes and they saw that love, that love that says, I'm going to be with you even in the storm. I'm going to love you when no one else loves you. I see the pain and the fear and the struggle and I'm right there with you. I feel it myself. I'm the one that, that everyone else will look away because you're embarrassing and you embarrassed everyone, but I won't look away because I love you. We're talking about surrendering to that kind of love. Now, what does it look like in a practical way to surrender? Here's some practical things. They always talk about preaching and living some practical stuff. So here's some hand things, right? <laughs> Preachers go through all this information on how you're supposed to preach, and we try to do our best to do it. So, anyways, daily stopping. Daily stopping. Stopping everything you're doing to be with Jesus. A daily office, a devotional, meditating on scripture, reading scriptures, listening to him. Stopping daily. How is that surrender? Right? So you're saying, Rodney, by me stopping to pray or to be with Jesus, is confidence in God, is faith in God, is surrendering to God? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, when we don't stop, we're saying we have this in control for whatever few minutes we don't stop for. If we don't stop for 10 minutes, we're saying we have all of life, and God, you can't have this 10 minutes, not even those 10 minutes you can't have. I have to hold on to those 10 minutes, or 15 minutes, or 5 minutes, or 30 minutes, or hour, or two hours, whatever your time is when you stop to be with Jesus. You're saying, I need those two. I need those two. You can't have those. I've got those 10 minutes. How does that usually go? How does that usually go when we hold on to every minute and we don't stop? Weekly stopping for a 24-hour Sabbath, a period where we stop to enjoy and be in the presence of God, be with God, and be with others, right? A delightful 24 hours stopping for 24 hours. How about your squad, right? To come together, to connect, to care for, to encourage, to serve, and to share with each other. When you stop to connect and be in your squad, you're saying, God, I trust you that the time and the effort, that's yours. I'm, I'm putting my confidence in you that this is, this is what, what's good for me, what's good for life is what you want. I, I'm, I'm calling on you to surrender my life. I'm surrendering for that time. Sunday worship, when you come into the larger gathering of the church for worship, praise, and prayer, listening to God and his word being preached, you're saying, I surrender that hour or whatever time frame it is. I surrender my mind for that moment. I lift my hands. I lift and surrender to you, God. Or all day practicing his presence. See, when you head to work or, or you wake up in the morning to to. Take care of your kids or, or go to the gym or where, whatever it is that you do when you wake up and you start your day and you, and you begin your day and you and you go out throughout the day. You can take that day by like, like taking a bull by its horns, right? And you can wrestle that day. Or you can practice Jesus' presence with you, with every person, with every situation. And that's surrendering. We are called to a life of surrender. Wherever Jesus is, it's always good. I mean, when when I get to heaven, I want to see my family and stuff. But to be quite honest with you, I want to see Jesus. I want to look into his eyes. I want to look into his face. Because I believe when I look into his eyes and I look into his face, I'll be lost for 1000 years. So do you see this surrender in each one of these? These are practical ways to surrender. There's many ways to surrender. Why can't we be confident in surrendering to God? Why? I believe it's answered in the question that was asked. Uh, the disciples asked. They said, who then is this that commands even the wind, the water, which was the sea, and they obey him? Luke is answering this question. With the next passage you'll see, he, he, he sets someone free, Legion. He uh, heals again, but now he's commanding even nature. So who is this? The disciples ask "Like who is this man? And, And I just, for me, I just don't understand why they would ask who he is when they saw him resurrect somebody from the dead. There's nothing more powerful than death. There's nothing more powerful than death. And he raised someone from the dead. And they're saying, who is this? And I believe this is the reason why we can be confident in surrendering to God. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. He is Lord over nature. He is Lord over demons. He is Lord over disease. He's Lord over death. And he is Lord over this life that we face every day. Jesus asks them a question back to them. Where is your faith? Where is your absolute belief that God is constantly working behind the scenes, even when there is no tangible evidence to support that fact? Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Funny story. Not funny story. Thursday morning, I wake up. It's like 5.30. Uh, So just to give you an idea of how I put sermons together is usually 5.30, 6.30 in the morning for a couple hours. Um... Throughout the day at my work, if I have a downtime, I go to my car and I study, study. So in the mornings, during the day, study, study. And uh, that's how God does it. And it's like a five, six, seven day process. Thursday, I'm feeling good, right? Uh, That morning up at 5.30, um, saw the sermon, uh, seen how it's going together about surrender and how they're on this boat and, and they went with Jesus. He said, go to the other side. And they came to this place of just total surrender, right? And so I go into work, and I'm just about there, and I got this text. I got a text from a friend. I asked him to look into a situation, and the situation actually uh, didn't seem like it was gonna go that well. And I I started to fear. I started to feel sad. I started to feel angry. So I'm sitting on the golf cart. That's where I sit, because I sell vehicles at Beaver Toyota. I'm sitting there next to my coworker, and I apologized to him because it's about two hours later. <laughs> uh, that's how long we sit sometimes because there's nobody there sometimes. Sometimes they're there right away. And I said, I'm sorry I'm being so, so quiet. And he says, what's on your mind, man? And I told him I got some bad news from this text and I just started feeling really bad and, and, uh I was telling him, that, man, I was having a good morning this morning. You know, I'm, I'm going to be preaching this Sunday and all this stuff. And he's like, you know what you did? And I was like, what? He's like, you personalized it. I was like, okay. And I, I was feeling really heavy at this time. Like, literally, like, I almost, almost in tears. And um, I was just, like, so upset. And um, so... I tell him, yeah, you know, it's crazy because here I am, like, so happy this morning to seeing the text and all this stuff that's going on and how, you know, they came to Jesus and he's, he gets up, and rebukes the storm, and they're like, you know, total surrender because they're like, man, I can't do this and, and how, you know, we need to surrender, and, and yet I get this text and it, it just changes my whole day, and he's like, yeah, man, it's like when you surrender, you've got to surrender it all, not part of it, and I, I don't even, I've never talked to this guy about God, like, I, don't, I don't even know if he's a Christian or not, I mean, just seriously, I mean, he referred to like God, like if he was—I I don't know. See, we are finite. If I could have the worship team come up, and He is finite. Uh, we are finite, and He is infinite. We are weak, and He is strong. we can do what is possible, he does what's impossible. We can only see what's in front of us. He sees everything. In closing, Lord, why? Why do you make me a father just so one day my babies would move out and say goodbye? Why do some days I feel like I'm on top of the world and others brought so low that I cry. Why do you give me a dad so strong growing up and now he's getting sick and losing his mind? Why do I feel, why do I feel I can't get past this storm, Lord? The harder it hits, the harder I try. Why do you have me up here preaching when many times life hits me so hard I feel like I'm going to die? Lord, why? The answer? So I will surrender. So I will surrender. If you've never come to this place of realizing you had a need to surrender. But this morning, God has spoken to you and you now realize. Would you put your confidence in Jesus this morning? Would you tell him that you surrender your life to him? I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I surrender my life. Or maybe you know about surrendering your life to Jesus and have done that before, but you decided somewhere along the way to pick your life back up and to do it your way. Will you surrender your life today as well? Would you surrender to Jesus? Would you bow your heads and let us pray? Heavenly Father, it was me who stepped onto that boat that day. And the storm hit my life. Some of it was my own doing. Some I still don't have any answers to. But I realize I cannot live this life on my own. I need you to come and rescue me over and over again. So I surrender my life to you as you surrendered your life on the cross for me. Help me practice surrendering every day I live until you come for me one beautiful, glorious day. And everyone says, amen.